Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Johnny, and welcome to episode 23 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. We're out here in Saigon, Vietnam with Anand Vantoy. What's up, buddy? Hanging, dude. How are you? Yeah, good. So, I just arrived in uh, Vietnam a few days ago. How long have you been out here? Uh, just a little bit before you, maybe uh, eight or nine days total now. I mean, I'm excited to talk about this this country. Uh, both, it's, it's good, pros and cons, ups and downs, but uh, you just got back, well, actually, how, how long ago were you in Chile? I was in Chile from February through the end of October last year. All right, and you basically launched your business while you're out there. We'd actually launched before getting into the program, but okay. during that seven months, we grew from early traction to real traction with a real, a real solid foundation. Okay, awesome. And I didn't know this until today, and this is why I'm so excited to pick your brain about it, is you basically with Startup Chile, it's, it's a, is it a government program? It's a government-run program run by the government of Chile, yeah. Okay, and you get $40,000 to start, start a business. It's a $40,000 grant, yeah. And you just have to be in Chile? You have to be in Chile for six months. You have to do some administrative paperwork okay. that the program needs you for. Yeah, and that's awesome. I mean, you basically get paid to, to travel and live and grow your business. Absolutely, and engage with an awesome community of entrepreneurs. There's 100 teams that go for every six-month generation, so you're interacting with and hanging out with people from all over the world, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Dude, so what does Chile, the government of Chile get out of this? They want to put Chile and put Santiago on the map in terms of the global entrepreneurship and, and technology community. They want, to, they want to bring young entrepreneurs from all over the world to Chile to experience the country and, and it works. I mean, Chile's got a special place in my heart and the hearts of hundreds or thousands of other entrepreneurs from all over the world now. So if it comes time to expanding business into Latin America, for a whole generation of entrepreneurs that have been through the program now, Chile is the first place that's on people's minds. So Well if anything, I mean I'm to be honest, I've never really heard about Chile. Yeah. I assume it's in South America. Yes. But I know I know nothing about it. And if it wasn't for you going there for startup Chile, I never would have heard about it or even considered it a hub for entrepreneurs or business. Yeah, there you go. It's uh it it absolutely works in in its goal of putting Chile on the map, bringing it into the global conversation that's happening right now in technology and entrepreneurship. And then if you think about how the the money is actually spent. If you get $40,000 for a team of two or three, half or more of that money is going straight back into the Chilean economy. Mm-hmm. If it's rent, if it's food, uh, whatever it is. So it, you can think of it as a stimulus program. Yeah. Money is being spent in the, in the economy, just passing through entrepreneurs from all over the world. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So start, I guess, what is the, the lifestyle like in Chile? Chilean lifestyle and the lifestyle that we experienced are, there's a disparity there, obviously. Um, what we experienced, the closest thing I, I can relate it to is, is college or a summer camp. It's a lot of, <laughs> you know, it's got that social element that's so much fun. People are all working on different projects and you have a co-working space that everybody ha- has free access to, so there's a great community around that. Okay, so it's like a it's sponsored by Startup Chile and you get access to this co-working space so it encourages all the different groups to be out there? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you know, you don't have to go there. You have the freedom and liberty to do whatever you want to do, work from wherever you want to work. But you might as well if, if everyone else is there, get network. But also, you have a free place to go. Absolutely. I mean, for guys like us, where co-working is our thing, it's an amazing space to have, and it was beautiful, and the internet was great there. That's dope. Yeah. Were there a lot of people there that weren't part of Startup Chile? Yes, there is a there is a uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem in Chile that's growing. Uh, we went to a couple hackathons that were just massive turnouts. All the university programs out there have entrepreneurs and, and startup programs in them as well. So there is actually a lot. Uh, Chileans actually have one of the strongest Latin American economies too. So in general, they're just really, if not just entre- like technology entrepreneurship, but business in general, there's a really strong economy for young young people to participate in. You, you so know, it good. seems like that's the case here in Saigon too. I didn't expect that at all, but one of my favorite things about being here in... So Saigon is Ho Chi Minh City, yeah. which I actually didn't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, thought right. it was a, I thought it was a different city altogether. Saigon sounds a little bit more exotic, right, than Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah, and I guess it's just the old name for for the old capital. Right? It is. It was the southern capital, and then after the uh, either... Uh, Fall or liberation, depending on your perspective, they changed the name to Ho Chi Minh City. Okay. So, yeah. But people still just could refer to that Saigon? Uh, yeah, depending on who you talk to, it's definitely a, a more beautiful name, so I like to use that name. But Ho Chi Minh City is legally what it's called now. That's dope. Yeah. Well, either way, by whatever name, it's a, it's a cool place. That's a lot um, of fun. The networking scene, the internet marketing, the entrepreneur scene out here is ridiculously good. It's really good. Man, I thought I was in paradise in Chiang Mai. Uh, out here... The first day, I, I hated it. I was like, why, why am I here? Really? Yeah, I had a really bad experience off the plane. Uh, everybody's trying to rip you off. Uh, There's hustlers, that's for sure. Yeah. It was busy. I mean, people, you know, tr- people driving on sidewalks, trying to, trying to run you down. Like, yeah. it was intense. Um, but as soon as I kind of got in the groove of things, uh, met up with all the, all the different entrepreneurs out here, and I realized, I was like, man, you know, this community is very similar to the community I had in Chiang Mai. Uh, but we're in a bigger city with even more restaurants, more cafes, more things to do. And so far, I would say I'm really happy being here, number one, but also just having a, it, it, it's still up in the air. I mean, you know, as you guys follow along on my blog, it's johnnyfd.com, or just listen to uh, future podcast episodes, I'm going to be kind of making up my mind which, which place I like better. Um, but so far, I'm, I'm very impressed with Saigon. Yeah. Uh, especially because all the different, uh, I guess, meetups that we've been to, there's actually Vietnamese people here. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely the locals that participate in the in the entrepreneurship community, so it's great to see. Well, this morning we had uh, was it Startup to Scale, which is uh, nicknamed now the Bulletproof Coffee Meetup. Yeah, Wednesday mornings. <laughs> yeah, and what was the name of the host? Uh, Till Carlos. And but it was it was his girlfriend. It was a Vietnamese girl that was the one that organized it, right? Her name is Young. 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 I, cause I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Well, either way, there's actual you know, like Vietnamese entrepreneurs out here, yeah, um, which is awesome. I think in Chiang Mai, I, I didn't really meet any local Thai entrepreneurs. Um, I mean, there are some, but they, they're very separate. They're not. They don't kind of integrate. They don't hang out, you know, with the with the Western entrepreneurs. So you're mostly hanging out with like the DC crowd out yeah, there. Yeah, like 100%. You're hanging out with, uh, you know, Westerners. I mean, sure. not everybody's part of the DC. Uh, for those who don't, who don't know what we're talking about, it's it's like a private mastermind group um, founded by Dan and Ian of the Tropical MBA, which is a great program. Um, 
and it, and it was probably the single single reason why I was able to come out here to Saigon and instantly have a group of, of friends. That I was cool about. Isn't that, that neat? Yeah. It's, yeah. You just immediately plug in with people that are like minded. Everybody's working on different unique projects, but they're all really interesting, and you can always learn something from anybody. And uh, there's and there's a whole spectrum. We were talking about this earlier. Of you've got the younger guys who are just starting out. You've got the older guys who are further along the path and just crushing it. And through the through the community, you can literally just come in, plug right in, and be connected with a, a great group of friends. Yeah, that's definitely dope. And I mean, there's a lot of people who I hang out with who aren't part of the DC, and it's kind of nice to have a separation of friends yes. as well. Yes. Because uh, I mean, it's it's basically a fraternity for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, there's no hazing, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, none of that. So it's, it's uh, much smoother entry process. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so the the cool thing is, I showed up and. First couple of days was just moving around, trying to find a place to live, uh, trying to get settled in. And the last couple of days, I joined, um, you know, basically it's like a group group message <laughs> on GroupMe. Yeah. And every day I wake up, I'm like, okay, where are we gonna work out today? Because unlike Chiang Mai, where everybody just shows up at the co-working spot every day at, you know, whatever whatever time they wake up, here it seems like people go to a different coffee shop every day. Because you can. It's because there's that many of them. Yeah. Variety's the spice of life. I mean, we've been to three coffee shops today already. Is that... That's true. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, this is our third. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one is called... What is it? M2C. M2C. I don't know what that stands for. It's, it's like a modern to... Modern meets culture. Modern meets... Okay. So okay. it's... Modern meets culture. Kind of a cheesy name, but... <laughs> beautiful place. It's dramatic. It feels like it's something from like a World War II movie set, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you, you guys want to see what it looks like, come on. Uh, the show notes. The blog, yeah, yeah. I'll put some up. Um, episode 23 of the show notes um, and you can take a look at this you can see what what's going on here in Vietnam I'm, I'm putting up tons of photos of especially the food we've been eating so good man how about that lunch we just had that was incredible yeah I think I've had something similar to that in the US but not even close yeah I like it when they you know they just lay out all the food that's that's uh, available and you can just point. What did we eat today? I actually don't know. Just lots of meat and a bunch of vegetables. And is, is, I'm sure there's a beat name, Vietnamese name for it. Uh, we'll just call it Primal. We ate Primal today. Okay. <laughs> so, I'll, we'll have a photo of, of Zach what we ate. And you, <laughs> and you guys probably know better than us. Uh, even though you actually are ancestrally Vietnamese. I am. I am. My, I'm a first generation Vietnamese American, which goes into the connection that I felt here. You know, um, the, the elements of Travel, culture, entrepreneurship, and then being Vietnamese makes Saigon an amazing place to work from, an amazing place to play, and an amazing place to do business. Yeah, so. if I follows you, I would definitely make my home base here, my roots here. Yeah, you know, we a lot of us have the luxury of being able to think of our ideal lifestyles and then shape it. And my ideal lifestyle is to have one foot in the U.S. and one foot in Vietnam. I, I can't imagine a, a situation in my life where Vietnam wouldn't have a part in my life. I. I I'm not here just short term. I, d I definitely want to make this a long term, uh, yeah, piece of piece of my lifestyle. So it's and there seems like there's no reason not to. Oh, it's just it's an amazing place, and and you hear a lot of the entrepreneurs here in the community talk about it because they can see it on the ground. But um, there's an energy here. There's an excitement. There's a lot of potential, which is tough. You know, as a young guy going into, I was living in New York City before moving to South America, and. New York City, it's it's set in its ways, and it's hard to go in as a young entrepreneur and kind of, yeah, it's too expensive for one, and yeah. everybody's too busy. So you can come to a place like Saigon and and uh, exercise at your own pace, work at your own pace, and, and play at your own pace, and and really just you know create your own story here. But at the same time, there's 
so I mean, it's basically New York with scooters. New York with scooters and affordable. The, the money, oh yeah. The, the the scooters are a lot of fun. They're so much fun. And I don't know. They're driving on the <laughs> sidewalk as yeah. you're trying to walk, and you're like, "What is going on?" It's mayhem. And I wanted to get mad at it because you know I'm I'm just walking on the sidewalk, and there's scooters driving the wrong direction. Number one. <laughs> Uh, on the freaking like pedestrian sidewalk, going straight at you, and they look at you like you're crazy for walking, and they're like, "What are you doing? Get the you know get the f out of my way!" Yeah. And I'm like, "I just want to push them off their bikes." Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, "You know what? This is their culture, and they probably look at me like, why are you not on a scooter? <laughs> why you, Why are you yeah. walking in what, my yeah. way? <laughs> why are you walking my way? This is just the way we always do things." Yeah. Uh, so I realized I was like, you know what? I just part of the culture. I mean, like, I can't even get, I can't get mad at that. I yeah. mean, it's, it's not my, it's not even my culture. That's good. It sounds like you learned something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's, it keeps you on your toes, which is fun. Oh so. man. It is like a frogger. If anyone's ever played that game. Yeah. It's like frogger. It's just trying to walk around here. I mean, the nice thing is, is I'm living pretty close to city center. If you guys ever want to move out to Saigon, I recommend living near, uh, there was a cathedral. What's it called? A cathedral. Notre Dame Cathedral. No, yeah. Notre Dame Cathedral. Just live within like a, mile radius of that that's where it's district it's called district one this is where all the cool stuff is where all the entrepreneurs hang out uh where all the great cafes we hang out are at it's a clean part of town it's nice yeah and it's you know it's outside of the backpackers ghetto so there's there's no tourist um there's not that many tourists but also there's not there's not everything that comes with that tourism the the hustle the grind the the grifters like yeah exactly so you don't get people trying to sell you crap all the time uh it's almost it reminds me of the neiman Hamen area of chiang mai which is basically outside of the main backpacker area where the local the cool local university students and entrepreneurs hang out yeah so i would say yeah so the the notre dame notre dame is i don't know the Notre Dame Cathedral. <laughs> Notre Dame Cathedral yeah. is the Neiman Heyman area of Saigon. And you just got an apartment recently, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Was it yesterday? Just yesterday, I moved in. Uh, I've been looking and for the last few days. I, I love it, man. Um, it's a little bit more expensive than, than Chiang Mai for what you get. So basically, in Chiang Mai, if you want a really basic room, you want a bootstrap, you know, you have you know, a budget of 600 bucks a month, you can get a $150 a month apartment eat you know a dollar Thai meals and you know I mean you could you could live like off of 600 bucks a month how's the food out there is it good too really good food man really really good food Thai food is some of my favorite in the world Um, if I had to lob one criticism about Santiago and Chile it's that it's well known that the food culture there is not what you imagine when you think of like the South American exotic food culture it's actually pretty uh, pretty bland and pretty normal you know it's crazy because I I lived in Honduras for a while really? a few years ago thinking because I was in Thailand and I was missing Mexican food so <laughs> in my mind I'm like oh Honduras is right next to Mexico they, they got, speak Spanish they have yeah. that talk well I mean I looked at, I actually looked it up I was like okay they got they got tortillas they got beans and they got chicken so I'm assuming they can make a taco put that together right <laughs> but the food in and Honduras is terrible compared to Mexico. Yeah. It's bland, and there's like, no, yeah, there's no flavor. It's kind of just, like, just, it's just not good. Yeah. But at the same time, you think about it, Filipino food is not good compared to Thailand, and it's right next door. Yeah. Or Thai. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel bad. I mean, but that's just, and I'm sure, you know, growing up, uh, living in the Philippines, you probably love the food. But as I'm, I'm saying, for more of like a Western palate, sure. Uh, Filipino food is not good. Yeah. Um, food in Honduras is not good. Uh, but luckily, food in Vietnam is very good. 
It's amazing. Better, better than I expected. It man. is amazing here, and I actually I, that was one of the things I knew going in is um, you don't hear as much about depending on where you're from or, or where you live. Like in the United States, you don't hear that much about Vietnamese food, but um, being Vietnamese American, like I, I knew to expect an amazing cuisine here that's just fresh ingredients really good food and, and some of these you read about some of these um, shops or restaurants they they get new ingredients delivered two to three times a day so yeah they're, they're that's crazy definitely keeping it fresh and you can get all the meats and veggies you want so and a uh, good thing is it's not hard to eat paleo out yeah here. it's not too hard um, so I haven't had any any bread or any noodles or any rice since I've been here, and it's been fine. Uh, it, it's always going to be a little bit harder to ask for certain things. Yeah. The the saving grace is Google Translate app. Yeah. I got a SIM card out here for like, I don't know, it's like it was like free, man. A couple bucks. Yeah. I think it was fifteen dollars total, and I got a SIM card, uh, a month of unlimited data, and like more minutes than I can I can probably use. And I just walked into a shop, you know, got it done. Um, here's the travel hack. They'll ask you how long you're staying for. If you say you're here for more than a month, they require your passport. If you say you're here for less than a month, they don't need anything. Really? And it's the same same thing? <laughs> I think it's the same thing. I have no idea why. You're kidding. Yeah, and <laughs> we actually didn't know that at the time. Uh, Anton actually thought it was the opposite because when he went in, he, they asked for his passport. He didn't have it on him. So he, was, he, just, he said, I'm here for three months. And they... They wanted his passport because of X, you know, for whatever reason. But he kind of, you know, he was like, he assumed it was because he was here for too short of a time. Um, How long is so he here for? He's here for three months. Okay. Uh, so I think he kind of went back and forth. Eventually, he got the SIM card, but he advised me. He's like, yeah, I think you have to be here for a long time to get a SIM card. So I went in saying I'm going to be here for six months, and. That's when they said, "Oh well, I need to see your your visa that you're allowed to stay." Here and for then six you months. change it. You're like, "Actually, I'm only going to be here for four weeks." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to be here for six months in Vietnam. I thought you meant Asia. <laughs> I'm going to Thailand next week." <laughs> and then they're just here. And, yeah, free. They, just, they just gave it to me. Yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, I mean, sorry. The 3G speeds here are very fast. It's great. The it's good. You know, I got service everywhere. Google Translate app has saved my butt, especially eating trying to eat paleo. I've been ordering paleo pho. No, which no is pho with no pho. Just just meat and some veggies on the plate. Yeah, and I was trying to explain, you know, what I wanted, and it was really hard. So I just use Google Translate app, and I put, uh, I think I put beef, comma vegetables, comma soup. And I showed it, showed it to him, and he's like, okay. And he gave me exactly what I wanted. Was it enough meat? Because sometimes in the bowls of pho, there's not much meat, and it's just all noodles. Well, what I did uh, the next time was I did the same, and I put double meat. Yeah. <laughs> slash. Because you're a big guy. You double vegetables beast, you know? slash like, lots of soup. Huh. And I got it, uh, but I realized, you know, it's probably just easier just to order, order it, get it, eat it, and then order another one. Yeah, it, it ends up being the same price anyways. You're not confusing anybody. Yeah, and it comes out hot. So I'll I'll teach you a trick. Okay. The word more or much. Okay. Or a lot is the same word. It's new, new like like neo or new. Okay. New. New. Um, bow new is how much, but if you want to just you point at like uh, your bowl full, full, and you just say new. New please. It's okay. like more new. You know, most people actually speak pretty decent English. Really, here. you can definitely get by without speaking Vietnamese here. Um, depending on what you want to do, like uh, some people come out here, uh, like I'm, I'm here partly to learn Vietnamese. That's a big yeah. reason I. I if did I was you and that was part of my culture, I would learn it. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, or if you guys want 
to date local Vietnamese girls, maybe, you know, maybe that might be a good idea to learn as well. Uh, it, it definitely helps. Not, it's not a necessity, but it, it doesn't hurt, that's for sure. How about you? You're, you're Taiwanese? Yep, so my parents from Taiwan. I speak Mandarin fluently. You do? I, I've been to Taiwan a bunch. I love the food out there. Uh, How do you feel about living there? I, I wouldn't live there. You wouldn't. Um, What's it like? It's awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I just, I don't know why I don't want to live there. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's, to me, it's too familiar. It's not I, exotic. It's not exotic. I want something yeah. different. Um, so Chiang Mai, Saigon, here you are. Here we go, man. Mm. And uh, who knows where we're going to go next. I mean, but the single thing I like the most, man, is just having the freedom to be able to do this. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it almost seems insane. We were joking about this earlier, that the two things that are super common within our circle of friends is picking up and moving to Vietnam on a whim mm-hmm. and having a podcast. A podcast, yeah. It's, it's part of the playbook out here, so I do a show as well. Yeah. Uh, what, was, what was it? It's Crew Lab, right? It's Crew Lab. It's a like music business and technology show. It's at crewlab.net. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, so definitely check that one out. And it's, it's cool. I mean, like I would say a lot of the people out here uh, have a successful podcast, you know, have a successful online business where they're generating money and making money. Um, and on all different things as well, which, which, which is awesome. Yeah. And that kind of allows everyone to help each other out. Yeah, cross-pollination. You can learn things from, even even if you're, you know, for example, we're, we're, our main product is a software as a service. It's a mobile app. But, you know, as far along down that path as, as we are, we can still learn things from, like, the SEO guy that's just starting out or like mm-hmm. the Pinterest marketing guy. One of our friends is doing a Pinterest marketing course tonight. There's, You can learn things from the, the huge spectrum of entrepreneurs that are out here, which is really fun. Yeah, you know, I actually wanted to ask you more about your, your SaaS business. So sure. I recently heard a lot more and more and more about software as a service, mm. and it almost seems like it's the next like fad. But people, some people make it sound too simple. Like I think there was a course out there, uh, I don't remember the name of it now, but it's basically he teaches you how to call up businesses yeah. and ask them what they need. It's called The Foundation by yeah. Dave Maxwell. And you know, I heard his interview on one of the podcasts. I don't know. G or something? He did a Mixergy no, interview. It was a similar interview. Yeah, he, yeah. He, I'm sure he does a lot. And he made it sound so simple that I, just, I, I was like, you know what? You know, forget e-commerce. <laughs> let, let, me go, let me go start a you know, SaaS business. And then I thought about it logically. And it's not easy, man. It well, is not easy. Well, you know, simple and easy are not on the same spectrum. So simplicity doesn't mean easy. It is. It actually is simple. The, the economics of software as a service, someone pays you monthly and you deliver software to them or you deliver uh, whatever it is. Uh, you can do razors as a service is a, is a common one. Um, it, it, it's a... It's a simple model that is extremely hard to perfect. So if you look at, I mean, an analogy is like a, like Apple products. They're okay. simple in their essence, but they're extremely hard to make yeah. into a reality. So like you guys yeah. try to make the new MacBook Air. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just. But it, yeah, I guess it is a simple design. Exactly. Sim- simple concept. Yeah. Okay. You, you I can like wrap, that. You can wrap your head around it if you look at it from the outside, but like to think about what goes into it, it does end up being. So when Dane Maxwell, um, and 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 to Dane's credit, you know, people come out of the foundation with real product businesses up and running. Mm-hmm. So it, there is something to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, software as a service, it's a new. It's I mean, quote unquote new. It's some of the I guess ten years now, maybe some of the older software as a service businesses, but. It's a beautiful business model. It's a, people pay you monthly, you deliver them the software, you have huge profit margins. And if you think about 
if you break down the numbers behind someone paying you monthly, so say if you average $50 a month per customer, and say you have a huge goal of you want to make a seven-figure business, that's a, that's a decent goal for any independent entrepreneur, I think. Yeah. If, they're, if, if your customers are paying you $50 a month, it, it only takes 1000 667 customers to be a seven-figure revenue business. I like how you're that math down. Is that is oh. that because that's what you're aiming for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Asian, <laughs> so it's in my blood. No, this was actually broken down by a, a presentation that I saw. Uh, a guy named David Hanemeyer Hansen. He's the, a partner at 37 Signals. And he gave this presentation to... Uh, you can search for on YouTube called DHH Startup School. And um, I watched this when I was working a job at, in New York City doing ad sales. And... When, when he broke it down like that, to make a seven-figure business, $50 a month per customer, 1,600 customers, what about if you want to just make a six-figure business? We're going to reach six figures when we hit 167 customers paying us 50 bucks a month. All of a sudden, you don't have to invent the next Snapchat or Flappy Bird or Facebook, whatever it is. You can in, in make a small product that serves 170 or 1,700 customers and live location-independent, wealthy lifestyles just of your own design. So software as a service, the, the business model, the economics, is simple. It can be tricky to get the product right, but if you do, it's an amazing place to be as an entrepreneur. Okay. So according to the foundation's interview that I listened to, the, the basis of it is find you know find a pain point of, of customers who might need a software as a service. So basically, yeah. if you have a friend who's a builder, or if you have a friend who works at a, you know, owns a valet company, yeah. uh, you ask them, you know what? Is, what like? What are your biggest waste of time every day? What are some things that you wish existed? Uh, and you basically try to find out first what the pain is. Second, what is a software that they wish was out there yeah. that would save them time? And there's tons of things like that, right? That they would pay monthly for. Yeah, and yeah. then you then you would ask, you know, is it something that you would pay, you know, pay for? And yeah. the way that they you know phrased it said, if you can get enough interest and get people to basically pre-commit, you can use that money to build the software exactly to their you know to what they want and you already know hey if it works you know if these guys are willing to pay for it other people in the same industry would be willing to pay for it so it sounds you know amazingly simple especially because he says uh, outsource all of your yeah. your programming so you don't even have to know how to program so it makes it sound so simple but i think the problem with that is i've ex- had experiences after reading the four hour work week uh, trying to get a programmer in India to, to do something that in my mind seemed really simple and it came out so terrible <laughs> that luckily I was smart enough to cut my losses. I think I had paid him $750 as a, as a for the first phase retainer and I looked at the site and I was like, I realized how complicated it would be and I just pulled the plug and said, okay, you know what, keep the money, I'm, I'm done, I'm not, I'm not investing anymore. Cut the loss, yeah. yeah. You know, software... I, I'd say this as a software entrepreneur, but if you're if you're not a developer or you're not technical, um, or and you don't have a developer as a co-founder that you can trust and they have a working relationship with, there are I think better ways to start as an entrepreneur. There's plenty of ways. Oh, I mean, our, our community is full of them of people that are entrepreneurs not in software. So many. Yeah. And the thing is, I I really do believe that having a co-founder that does all the technical stuff is perfect because it's perfect i actually have met a lot of programmers and people you know who can make great apps great programs and they know nothing about sales and they don't want to know anything about sales yeah they don't want to have to talk to customers they don't want to have to deal with the front end stuff they just want to do their their back end stuff so those are people who are perfect to to partner up with 
because it's a win-win for, for both situations. You know, it's a it's interesting. There are people that can do both, but if you think about the skill sets that go into a great programmer is a very analytical, very mathematical mind, very calculated, very formulaic. Um, and then if you think about what goes into sales, you know, someone's very extroverted, very personable, very... Um, I don't know, they, like a kind of human intuition. It's like IQ versus EQ, emotional yeah. intelligence. They, you can definitely have both in some people, but for the most part, I think more often you find people that have strengths towards one end or the other. So to work together in that, it's like yin and yang. It works out really well. Yeah, so I think it's a great bottle. Uh, but as you were saying, there's easier ways to get started definitely online. Uh, did you have, so before you did SaaS, the software as a service business. Did you do anything? Dabble into anything else online? Yeah, I ran an online magazine for jam bands and electronic music called Headstash.com. Um, we did like interviews and features about on the on the music scene, and, and we did and we sold ads, and we we did decently with that. But it it, it turns out that online publications are, are tough business to be in if you're if your primary revenue is advertising. Then, if you're not in like a money market, it can be tough to monetize at a level that's like really sustaining you. To, especially we were living in New York City at the time, so forget about it, kind of. But um, we learned a lot of lessons from that, and one of the things we learned is to, on our next project, we wanted to think about monetization. We wanted to think about money up front because we want this project to fund uh, fund a comfortable lifestyle. I think that's a huge aspect. So being comfortable with that that uh, financial motivation, that financial yeah, I like motivation. that. Yeah. I mean. So I think the biggest difference between the entrepreneurs I meet while traveling and the ones that I meet back in San Francisco or New York, and I think I might have mentioned this in one of the episodes before, is a lot of the people that take these startup grants, all they're really trying to do is show that they're doing enough work to get another grant. Yeah, that's true. Uh, versus companies that are kind of bootstrapping uh, or people who are traveling, entrepreneurs, they're like, okay, how can I start making profit next month? Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a much better philosophy for um, at least for the lifestyle that, that I want to live because uh, you, know, you really don't need to spend that much out here so my apartment out here is $250 a month isn't that great and it's nice dude it's worth a, a, a walking distance to everything as, as you were saying earlier right downstairs is so much good food yeah. it's really good food in that area it's a street called 18A which doesn't mean anything unless you're actually here <laughs> it probably doesn't mean anything to the locals even <laughs> if you're here like the first few days I kept hearing about 18A I'm like what is this one apartment building <laughs> but it's like an alley 18, alley, 18 yeah. is an address and then they give you that letter that means it's like instead of one building it's like you have 18A like something I don't know it like doesn't matter numbers yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually in 18B so I'm in even a smaller alley next ah, to it ah the fringe the frontier <laughs> but it's uh I mean, it's literally a two-second walk to the first full restaurant. Yeah. Uh, opposite, so we call that prison pho. Prison pho. Uh, and everyone here actually knows what we're talking about because when you're sitting inside of it, it's it's outdoor. It's like an outdoor pho restaurant, a little sh- cart. Feels like a prison yard. And uh, because it has like barbed wire, this like Does, high yeah. like fence thing, uh, food's good. Really and good. right opposite that, uh, I call that pho paradise. It's just the, yeah. it's the yellow one. Yeah, it looks like glossy yeah. and clean. <laughs> Prison phone, pho paradise. Yeah, and so you get the whole spectrum here in Saigon. Because all the restaurants are called pho something, and, and because I don't, I can't read or speak Vietnamese, we just give everything nicknames. <laughs> um, but it's been incredible. And there's a smoothie lady. You know, there, there's one on on that street that everyone goes to. Juice. They think they're called juicy. They delivered them. Do they deliver? I, I don't know. I mean, it's like it's like I could throw my shoe. I don't know if I, if I ever got mad <laughs> if, um, but they have 
two fruits that they don't have in Thailand. So I've been drinking the crap out of these smoothies. The first is avocado. Uh, it's not that an avocado smoothie without milk or sugar tastes that, that great. Sounds, yeah, it, it just tastes okay. It's, it just tastes like drinking, drinking a cold kind of avocado. Maybe you can get some tortilla chips in there. It'll really... Yeah, but yeah. I figure, you know what? After I have my pho, I want some... I want to add some fat to my diet. Um, eating this bulletproof version of paleo. So I'm trying to get as much fat in as possible. Yeah. And having a avocado shake with just avocado water and ice is perfect. And the other thing I've been drinking is soursop juice. Soursop. What's that? It's like this weird... a weird fruit that almost—it looks like a custard apple, but it's huge. Oh, I think it's really big, and it cures cancer. So you don't have cancer? Uh, well, I never had it in the first place. Oh, there you go. Word. But <laughs> um, it's one of those <laughs> those fruits that you hear about all the time, like acai berry or you know whatever the next trend is. But I actually looked it up, and like on Snopes, you know Snopes like they debunk they debunk everything, yeah, right? They debunk yeah. everything, and this is one thing that they actually didn't debunk. They're like. You know, be cautious about it. It's probably it's not a miracle, but we can't find any reason why, it, like, it doesn't work. Uh, so I, I, I drink it mainly for the taste. I'm sure there's some health benefit to it. So myth not busted. It, there yeah. might be some properties it that you might. Have. Yeah, it might cure cancer, which is cool. Well, you know what? I'm, I don't know if it cures cancer, but it certainly adds to the exotic element of Saigon. But we just enjoyed some coconuts, fresh from the coconut. So you, you can walk around here, and the street vendors will just have. You'll just see piles of coconuts, and you just point. You say how many you want, and they'll cut open the top. Yeah. And you can drink coconut juice right from the coconut. It's delicious. You, you how much is a coconut supposed to be out here? Because I've been paying like, I, like it feels like I gotta negotiate every time I buy one. You can get them for like a dollar each or less. Depending. Okay. Now it depends on where you are. So we just got them from Bintan Market, which is near the backpacker district, and it's a very common place for all the travelers. You have all like the the vendors there with their knockoff like you know handbags and clothing and everything and we went and ate there there you're going to have tourist prices whereas if you go out further into see like i live in district five right now staying with a family friend out there you'll you'll find the same things for maybe three quarters or half the price just because that's the marketplace it's not that it's an actual ripoff it's just that you know it's where supply meets demand so but at the same time i i feel like you can negotiate even with Sure. And like you're almost expected to negotiate. Oh sure. And I'm like, dude, I, like I there's a coconut lady right outside of my gym that I go to, uh, and she like tried to try. I thought what she was asking for. I think she started at forty thousand dong, which, which is two dollars. Which is two dollars. Yeah. You know, which you know in the U S. that would we'd be fine for coconut, but I knew that it should be about half of that because I had just gotten one somewhere else, um, and I had to negotiate with her, and she was finally like, okay, give me twenty, <laughs> and then the next day. I'm like, okay, I have a coconut. She's like, okay, for you know, fifty thousand. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, I like, I just came to you. Yeah. Um. So that was one thing I actually didn't like about Vietnam. My first experience was showing up at immigration, uh, middle of the night after like twelve hours of travel, exhausted, and Did I you had fly in? yeah, I flew in. Uh, I had a visa. Uh, e visa. So I applied for it online, filled out everything, thinking, okay, you know what. I'm happy to pay the money online and not have to deal with this, mm-hmm. not have to go to consulate. I walk through, you know, get off the plane, and I'm like, oh, wow, there's no line. No in the, hassle. In, in immigration. No it, paperwork. Did you do any it paperwork? It looks so easy. However, then I saw a mess of people on the floor that had been camped out for an hour, and oh. I was like, crap, I have to go through that. 
You, so you waited for an hour? So it turns out that the reason why the immigration line had no people is because everybody was waiting for their e-visa on arrival, which is supposed to be a really quick process. Yeah. But for whatever reason, and you know, I'm, I'm sure this happens more often than, than, than not, is you go in and there's this queue that no, there's not really a clear line for. People kind of just like cutting up front and you're waiting in this for half an hour to hand in your paperwork and then you sit around for them to call your name to give you back your passport. So you did this? Yeah. Did you not have to go through this? I was shocked. I didn't, you know, I, we traveled all around South America after Startup Chi last year for six weeks and every border that we crossed, we would have to do uh, exit paperwork and entrance paperwork into the new country and here, there was no paperwork. I literally, I, I, they checked my visa, they checked my passport and then I just walked through. How'd you get your visa? I actually have a visa exemption, but nobody on my plane, like I asked for the paperwork. I asked, because usually when you're on an international flight, they'll go up and down the alley and they'll, they'll give you the paperwork that you have to fill out on arrival, for, okay. for arrival. Nobody on our flight got that, no Americans got it. So I don't know, I, I didn't have to do any paperwork coming from the United States to but, come into the so, so why do you have a visa exemption? Um, my family actually has, has ties with the Vietnamese embassy in DC. So. It's, it was just kind of like a family thing. Okay. But I'm sure you had something in your passport saying that, right? Yes. But, you know, I asked the flight attendant for the paperwork. She doesn't know that I have a yeah. visa or a visa exemption. And she said, no, there's no paperwork. So the people on my flight didn't have to do... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because you came from Chiang Mai versus the United States. I don't know. I don't know, man. Because I, I was sitting out there with people from all over the world. But the flight was from Chiang Mai. But the flight... No, uh, you know what? Yeah. So who knows? I mean, but either yeah. way, man... Here's here's what happened. All right, show up, um, wait, you know, waste another hour. But not even that, they required another forty five dollars, uh, which isn't that big of a deal when you think about it. Because it, maybe that's what it costs for me to get a Thai visa, anyways. Actually, no, no, a Thai visa for, three, for thirty days is free. You just show up, walk through. You don't need anything. Mm. But if I wanted a three month visa, yeah, I would have to pay and go through the process. Yeah. But here's the funny thing is they would only accept US dollars and in Vietnam in Vietnam they would not accept the government Vietnamese money yes the government <laughs> uh, and there's people that are coming from all over the world not everybody has US dollars so okay no, you know what if I have to I'll change the money right Yeah. the money changer was closed ouch because I mean it was like 9 o'clock at night so maybe that's why but it's closed so then there's these two German girls who were on the same flight as me, and they just could not get any U.S. dollars. So they had, like, euros, and they had Vietnamese money because they went to the ATM, which gave them Vietnamese dollars. And they wouldn't take it. And they're like, well, no, you have to go get U.S. money. And they're like, how? <laughs> like, where the heck do you want me to get U.S. dollars? Do you know what they ended up doing? They ended up uh, changing money through the shadiest person possible. <laughs> no, I was kidding. No, actually, <laughs> I happen to have... Uh, <laughs> the shadiest? <laughs> I know. No, I happen to have 200 uh, U.S. dollars on me just as, like, a backup. Um, and I wasn't as a... I, you know, it wasn't even a preparation. I just happened to have it. And luckily... You know, I had enough to give them um, in exchange for Vietnamese money, which I needed anyways. Good. Oh, so you're the knight in shining armor there. Yeah. So it worked out. Uh, but then, I got on the, you know, I get on the, and I take some money out. I, I think I exchanged some, some Thai bot into Vietnamese dong. First off, the money all looks the same, man. The bot and the dong? No, the, all, all the, the dong. dong. All the Vietnamese money looks exactly yeah. the same. Well, there's two different textures, you know. One's more plastic and one's actually paper. Ah. Yeah. Okay. The, the smaller bills are, are like paper and the newer bills are the, the higher value ones are 
kind of they have this plasticky texture. Okay. So yeah. you guys listen to that. Fuel for that. Uh, second, bring a calculator with you and know the exchange rate because I actually messed up. It was my fault. I didn't plan. I didn't know what the exchange rate was. All I know knew was I had a stack of cash. <laughs> and all I knew was... There's a lot of zeros. It was a lot of zeros. Lots I zeros. mean, like... We're millionaires, dude. Dude. Pound. I, how, much, how much is a million Vietnamese dong worth? A million... So 100,000 is $5. So a million is fifty dollars. Okay. Um, and it's really easy if you break it down like that. Remember, every hundred thousand is five, five bucks. Um, you can. It, it's actually the exchange rate's actually like twenty one thousand to one. But you just do the math and, and do twenty thousand to one is how most people go. So now that I figured out, what I do is I actually physically use my thumb, cover up four zeros, and divide it by two. There you go. And it works. Yeah. I wish I knew that on the first day because it was like, I, you know, I'm getting to my hotel at like ten o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. And the the cab driver has the lights off, so I can't even see how much money I'm I'm giving him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look at the meter, and I pay the meter. And I was like, okay, you know what? In most countries, as long as they use a meter, you're fine. Yeah. You know, if you don't use the meter, that's when you get ripped off. So I gave him whatever's on the meter, which was nine hundred seventy-eight thousand dong. Like fifty bucks. And it turns out it should have been five dollars. And I think what oh. he did was he actually added an extra zero Ooh. to it. Because I was I've been I was watching the meter go up. So I was like, okay, you know, it's legit. He's not adding more, you know, because yeah. the common scams are either they don't use the meter at all or uh, after you get there, they, like, jump the meter price up by another X yeah. amount. Uh, so I was so pissed, man. I was fuming. I was like, this country sucks. I hate, you know, I'm getting ripped off. This would never happen, you know, somewhere else. Uh, and then I get to the hotel. I'm exhausted. I want to go to sleep. I try to check in. And they say, oh, you know, rooms are full. And I said, oh, I was like, oh, I have a reservation. And they're like, okay. They look at it and they're like, nope, sorry, rooms are full. And I'm like, no, but I paid already. <laughs> you had prepaid? I prepaid on Agoda. Uh, but luckily, they had booked me another room at another hotel down the street. Oh. <laughs> uh, pain in the butt, I had to move around a bunch of times. Uh, but it was fine. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. Woke up the next day, and what actually really changed my mood? was I woke up and I had one email. So first I didn't have to deal with, you know, a bunch of work or anything, but the one email was a new sale notification. It was a good email. Yeah, and it wasn't even a big sale. It was it was like a $500 sale, and I, but I did the calculation on it and I made 100 bucks. Awesome. For what product? Uh, it's just one of my e-commerce stores I have cool. that's dropship. So I forwarded the email, you know, my manufacturer in the U.S. Uh, sends them the product, and I get the cash for it. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I wasted, you know, I you know, I basically got ripped off for fifty bucks on a you had a fifty dollar experience, a Vietnamese experience. It, it was, <laughs> it really was, because after that, I'm so much more careful now with everything, with my my phone, my you know, my wallet, my laptop, uh, and my money. I'm like, I'm really counting all the money now. And if anything, that would, that's the lesson. I mean, if I I almost feel like every single person I've met will get ripped off in Vietnam once, so you might as well make it the first day and then learn from it. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I, it's just like any other country. Like, if you're... Most countries that you're going to travel to in South America, for example, there's going to be hustlers, but... Um, well, okay, so in your example, when you when they add the extra zero and you end up oh. with a $50 cab, right, that's, that's, I feel like, an extreme end of the spectrum. But, like, little things... The... the, the for example, when I park my motorbike, it's maybe 4,000 or 5,000 dong, which if you do the math, ends up being like either 20 cents or a quarter. Okay. Um, fluctuations, some of the fluctuations that you get from the hustlers here end up not being that much money anyway. So 
you know, maybe for, for you and I, it's not that big of a deal. For them, it might be, you know, a bigger deal. But ultimately, I don't think I don't think it's... Um, how, yeah. how is it in Chiang Mai? I'm sure you have hustlers in you Chiang Mai. You know what? Mai. Chiang Mai ha- is very, very good. But Bangkok, you will get hustled. Yeah, uh, yeah I can yeah. see that. So Bangkok, if you get off the, the plane, you will get ripped off in the, in the cab as well. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be for 10 times the amount. It's just going to be more. Um, what they do is they won't use the meter. They'll say it's broken or they just won't turn it on or whatever. And Red then they'll flag. give you a, a big number. Um, Chiang Mai, man, taxis from the airport, set price. It's 150 baht, which is about five bucks, mm-hmm. anywhere you want. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's it's legit. Uh, the, like the actual normal taxis that are around are 40 baht for anywhere within the city. And then if you want to go outside of the city, it's 100 baht. So it's between $1.50 to $4, depending on where you're going. And it's pretty much set price. Like I've actually, really? I used to try to negotiate with taxi drivers all the time, and they, they would all it. just, they would all just be like, "Nope, that's the price." And then yeah. I like would ask another one, another one, another one, and I realized I was like, you know what? That's actually just the price. Like maybe sometimes it's a little bit more, but it's you're never gonna you know pay more than like a, a couple bucks extra. And usually they actually have a reason for it too. It's like they know there's gonna be a lot of traffic, or they know. It's late at night, it's, you know, and they don't want to drive that direction because they can't get a fare back. Good. That's um, that that it's convenient. It's like a price fixed menu. You just you know oh, you get into. Yeah. I love that prefix. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I don't like arguing about price. I don't like bargaining. I can, oh, you just said that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I saw this stupid T-shirt that I kind of wanted to buy for about two seconds. <laughs> it was a Starbucks shirt, but instead of saying Starbucks, it said like Vietnamese nah, yeah. Vietnamese coffee, which I'm sipping on right now, and it is awesome. Yeah, uh, that's the one thing uh, about the coffee shops here that are the best. Actually, no, two things. One is uh, you can get coconuts everywhere. Coconuts, even at coffee shops. And second is the Vietnamese coffee is so strong. Like my voice is not sped up in this episode. It just happens to be <laughs> because I've had like five cups of coffee, starting with that bulletproof this morning. So. Yeah, that was awesome. And they actually so the organizer of the the bulletproof coffee meetup basically went into a local Vietnamese coffee shop and said, can you blend your house coffee with coconut oil and this grass-fed butter, uh, which it comes from New Zealand. It's called Angkor, which they sell here and in Thailand. And the first couple of weeks, she said, like, she had to, like, really give them directions and, uh, you know, she wrote them down and, like, really, like, watched them. And now it's the fifth week of this. It's a weekly startup. It actually has nothing to do with the DC, but it happens that most DC members kind of just flock to it anyways I would say it's it's part of the DC community like the people that the founded community, the DC community yeah. it, I don't think she is though she, I, she's I'm, the girlfriend of Till who's a DCer here okay so that yeah. makes sense okay um, but sh- regardless they now have bulletproof coffee at this coffee shop all the time you just go in and you order special coffee so you can just walk in coffee, you can just yeah. walk in and, and now they actually know the term bulletproof yeah. So uh, you just walk in and say bulletproof coffee, and they're like, okay, here you go. And you drink it, and it's awesome. Yeah. So I had three cups of that. <laughs> uh, so you're going right oh now. Oh, man, it is wonderful. Um, Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> but so enough about me now for now. There's going to be more about <laughs> that in future episodes, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, how do people sign up for this $40,000 grant for Chile? Uh, startupchile.org, they have the... 10th generation of uh, applications open now through, I think it's mid-March. 
Um, yeah, and, and check it out there. It's it's a really easy process, and, and you don't have to do any follow-ups or anything. You'll just find out in you know four to eight weeks if you got in. So startupchile.org. Check nice. It out. What were some of the – like how many different companies were out there when you went out? Um, it fluctuates, and they, they normally have about 100 per generation, and sometimes I think it goes as low as 80. So if you think about that, and, and from what I heard, what was it? Either 5,000 or 6,000 – like total applicants or companies apply? Has that? Has that I think it was a hundred. No, you know what it was? A hundred, and it was like yeah, like a thousand, uh, one thousand five hundred companies applied. Okay. So the for my generation. So if you think about that math, one out of fifteen, 15. companies for a forty thousand dollar grant. That's great, man. And a South American experience. So it's definitely there's it, it takes no time at all to apply. Just oh, well, I mean it takes time, but but like, it's like worth it. so what was the actual application process? You just fill out. Uh, they use a company called Unoodle, okay. which is you know you just fill out these forms and you got to get a um, a referral. You get a referral or two, and you upload like your founders' resumes and then you fill out a bunch of Q and A about your projects. Yeah. And you you know some people went in with like us. We had we had our product on the market. And we had traction, but you know a lot of people there were just ideas you know wow. first time entrepreneurs they, they had left jobs to go to startup chile and and a lot of people actually go back to jobs so it's not people that are like necessarily experienced entrepreneurs which is good and bad so you got people learning if you know you don't know if you're going to be an entrepreneur until you try it yeah. sometimes um so any tips or tricks for people that are applying for startup chile i've actually written about this so okay. it, um there's a guy named uh, Manish Sethi, and he's got a blog called at Hack the System. It's called Hack the System. So if you search Hack the System Startup Chile, I, I have a post called How I Got a $40,000 Grant to Build My Business okay. in, in Chile. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. Uh, yeah. As well as everything else. Uh, also, we have crewlab.net, which is your podcast about music, business, and tech. Yeah, good yeah. combination. Uh, we have simplecrew.com, which yep. is your SaaS product. The it's a mobile photo app for groups, so it's for businesses that use photos for project management. Okay. So what are some examples of companies that use your product? Sure. Most of our customers are either real estate teams that are using photos to prospect properties or to track the progress of their field marketing teams that are hanging up signs to promote their businesses. Okay. And the other half of our customers are concert and event promoters, you know, the music industry guys that are using street teams to market their events and they use our app to track the progress of their street teams as they do work in the field. So when you, when you say progress, is it more just to make sure that their street team is actually doing work and not just hanging out at the Starbucks? Yeah, it's accountability uh, and, and we use the GPS location from their phones to map where they are as they're doing the work. So you get a map showing you where your team has posted flyers or posters so it, it brings that is huge because i remember as like a kid i was in like seventh grade or something i was like 12 yeah and my friend my friend's dad owned a restaurant a chinese restaurant and he asked us to go put flyers at doors <laughs> and walk around the neighborhood and uh, and you know he paid us i don't know it was maybe like 20 bucks or 30 bucks whatever and i was like, okay so i started doing it and i'm going door to door putting these like ch- you know these chinese uh, takeout menus out <laughs> and i see my buddy and he just dumps he comes back, he dumps it in a trash can. His own dad's restaurant. And I'm like, this is your dad's restaurant. Do you just take his money and dump his flyers that yeah. he paid money for? That's your that's his business. I know. Yeah. And I was like, dude, if you, if this guy is doing it to his own screwing up his own dad, yeah. can you imagine random people you're paying, you know, eight dollars an hour to 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 go around and put up flyers for you, put up posters or prospects, you know, exactly. for, for anything? Like, you do really think they're they're gonna be doing your, their job if you're not tracking them? Yeah. So that's that's exactly what it is. It brings accountability to that 
that whole space and and that's where the idea came from we were doing street teams for our favorite bands and concert venues and you know we we once we started managing the teams we'd ask for photos but it was it was a pain so now people can use our modal mobile app and and those photos go straight to the straight to the timeline and you can see exactly what's happening i like that a lot buddy that that was a great idea um so if anyone that has a, a you know that has a company that needs that kind of service or you just want to check out the site to see what it looks like it's coolab.net uh, if they want to get in touch with you on on Twitter it's at Vantoy it's my last name V-A-N-T-O-A-I okay very cool so if you guys are ever going to come out to Vietnam uh, Alan's going to be he's going to be having his roots down here for a while yeah so I like. we're set up so come come by and drop us a line alright if you guys want to follow my journey uh, my blog is johnnyfd.com and I've been posting almost daily about about my experience out here so far so so good man I mean yeah. besides a little rough start a little mishap every day that I'm here I like it a little bit more and more and Uh-oh. I think the reason for that is there's so much to do here so many restaurants so many cafes uh, it's like it really is New York it really is like the like the New York City of, of Asia for a tenth of the price yeah it's so affordable dude I even played dodgeball the other day how fun is that Dude, I, right? Yeah. I, like, dude, thank you for telling us about that. Absolutely. Dude, I've been wanting to play dodgeball again since I was 12. I think that was literally the last time I played. It was the best day of gym class. Man, ever, yeah. You know? I, was, I was good at it too. I'm not as good anymore. Oh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I think other people got better and I didn't. Yeah, some people definitely progressed. I, I went in... So, you know, you just came out for the first time two days ago. Yeah. We're playing again tonight, but uh, that was only my third time out. I, I thought going in that I was going to be the man and super competitive... And I was quickly humbled by some of the guys there, but some of the girls are wingers. They can, they're sneaky, and they can, yeah. they can really just, yeah, uh, it can hurt. It they can, can throw it up. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool that they have that, and it's not. It's that's actually a group of. What do most people there actually do? Are you know, they teachers or are so they? it's actually a group of locals that organize it. But then you have a lot of expats that come in, and, and you do have a big like teacher expat scene here. Uh-huh. You have some people that work for other companies, and but there's definitely a big. Um, teacher expat scene which is fun it's cool we have a couple friends that are that are part of that group so yeah. and then now we're kind of slowly going to take over but I don't you know I don't know how many entrepreneurs actually actively work out or, or do do kind of exercise of our, of our crew a lot actually okay. I think um you know the, the kind of people that are attracted to our community just like you know we're here in Saigon we have podcasts and we're doing things like um, eating paleo yeah eating paleo drinking bulletproof coffee you know lifting heavy things and putting them down kind of thing so I think you, you find a lot of people here are they're they're lifestyle conscious they're bit, they're entrepreneurial and they're health and, and like physically conscious. So you know, which is really the ultimate, like they're really the ultimate combination. It is, and a lot of people now are starting to have real good relationships as well. Uh, I mean, like you, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. You know, a t- amazing girl. You know, probably the only reason why I'm going to go back to Chiang Mai in a few weeks. Um, or else I'd probably just hang out here for another, another couple of months. But we have other people like uh, Shannon Weeks and Alexis Steele who are married, but they're both entrepreneurs out here now. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, I saw them today. I mean, uh, the last time I hung out with them was uh, about a month ago in Chiang Mai. I didn't even know I was coming to Vietnam. I knew they were coming, but I didn't expect them. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect them to be like message me yesterday and say, "Hey, I'm in." Saigon as well, and they were on the show before too, right? Yeah, they're. Uh, I don't remember which episodes. I, I I used to give out episode numbers, but I'm always wrong, so <laughs> I'm gonna stop doing that. But they were the first episode they're on. Probably number five is oh, wow. both of them together, 
and talking about their business, how they sold their practice and decided to move out here to do business. Uh, then I had just Shannon Weeks on, uh, and because he did this, um, like this adjustment for me, and he basically just fixed my body. And till this day, actually, my back still feels better, uh, and it's been months. So Wait, what, kind of, what kind of process was that? He did something called muscle testing, and it's, it's part of applied kinesiology, which I didn't know anything about. But basically, what he did was he would isolate certain muscles, like individual muscles in my body, and you have hundreds of them, and he would just ask me to. Uh, push against them, like resistance and most of the time I mean you know I'm twice as big as them so most of the time it was pretty easy to push and like so if, let's say he said um, you know he he tested my, my front shoulder he would like put his hand you know on my shoulder and say okay now push your arm up okay. and I'll be able to do it easily and he would do that with every single muscle in my body and then what's crazy is there was two muscles that I felt like a like a five year old girl. I had no muscle at all, <laughs> and I just couldn't resist. And the the reason why I knew it was it was off balance it was because my left side or my right side was fine and I was strong, and my other side, Zaxxon muscle, was weak. Like I had like no resistance. And he t- he basically told me it was because for whatever reason to not take any more damage, that muscle just turned off. It stopped using itself. Interesting, and it makes sense because your body would do that to kind of like save itself, you know, to, to not get hurt anymore. And he just basically like massaged it for a while, you know, kind of stretched it out, did, did a couple of little things here and there, nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, and he, you know, he basically turned that muscle back on. Uh, and I instantly, I mean, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just um, like for a while. It's, it's been months now. I feel like my left and right side is more balanced now. I feel like I'm stronger now. Was it, uh, where was this muscle? In your arm? Uh, in your, there's your... two of them. I think one was like near my scapula. Okay. And the other one was like down here, like near my like, lower, like back, lower back or something. Sides. Like muscles that you don't really use anyways. Okay. So you don't you don't think about so it. So it could turn off and you wouldn't notice. For yeah. yeah. I mean, because and the, the main thing I noticed was when I used to do like pull-ups or movements like that, I would overcompensate by having a strong chest or strong arms. So I wouldn't even use my back muscles. And after that, it really made me aware that I have to do these exercises that isolate like my, my scapula, which you never work out. And the only way you'd work out this like this, this scapula area is when you do the pull-up to pull all the way and then hold it for a second before going back down. So if you're doing really fast pull-ups or you're, kinda, like, you're only going 90% up, you're not working those muscles. And now I know how important it is to, to work, you know, at those, that last 10%. What about those, like, um, like wide-arm, like, thunderclap type things? Do those do that? Uh, I think if you if you do those, if like, row kind of things, if you hold it at the very end and you feel your shoulder blades stretch, okay. you know, like, uh, t- like almost touch behind you, okay. and you feel it fire, then, then it's working. So you're holding it, so you're doing, like, a... Uh, uh, when you're when you're when you're just yeah, because you're like an isolation, you know, yeah. uh, so isometric, isometric. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that was that was awesome. And then I had Alexis on again as well because I got my blood tests and I wanted to make sure after eating this crazy high fat paleo bulletproof diet that I was actually healthy. So she ordered lab tests for me at a, a local doctor, uh, blood tests, cholesterol, all that stuff, and she just spent a whole hour just going over all the results with me and. It really reassured me that on the, the show, yeah, on the show, because awesome. uh, you know I'm sure everyone else has the same questions about, you know, like 
what their cholesterol numbers should be, they how much how much bacon or eggs or you know fat they should be eating. If they sh- you know if really this low carb thing is really that good for you. Um, and I was I was saying to you earlier that even though I look like I'm in great shape, now I actually feel like I'm in great shape too. Versus a year ago before I started eating this way, first I didn't look like I was in shape because I was like 30 pounds of more of, of fat. Uh, extra, uh, but also I didn't have as much energy as I do now. I did, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, everything, like everything was lower. So, one hundred percent, you know, this way of eating, this lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of traveling, not having any stress, being around friends all the time, uh, you know, having sun and not being in this freezing cold <laughs> is awesome. Man. It was negative ten degrees when I left the United States two weeks ago. Negative ten degrees. That's insane, dude. Insane. I forget that. Yeah. Like I literally forget that it's cold. <laughs> it's winter. Yeah. I have an employee who sent me a photo of how cold. Like she's like, I'm sorry. Where is she? I, uh, she's in like South Carolina or something. Ooh. Yeah. And she's she's like Johnny. I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to pick up this call for this customer that called in. Uh, a tree fell over from the storm, and she shows me a picture of her house, like half destroyed, snow coming into it, and I was like. Is it, I was like, what? Is this now? Like, what? Like, where in the world are you? You know, there was a picture on the front page of Reddit a couple of days ago that was, it was captioned, this is how Atlanta reacts to snow. And it was a picture of a stretch of highway that had, it was all white and it had cars scattered all over it and there's a fire. I saw that. There was a fire in the distance. People don't know how to drive in the snow out there because it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. But it's like mayhem, like Godzilla. Just yeah, it, it did look like it. it. And man, I mean, the weather out here is perfect. Yeah. Like it's almost a little tiny bit too hot. But I mean, I don't, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, it's I mean, like, we're here in like gym shorts and, and just living large here. So yeah, you know. you're in your gym shorts. I'm in normal shorts. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, okay. You got some good looking shorts. Yeah, here. we got some t-shirts on. Uh, casual lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it'd be colder at night. Uh, the I, nights are nice. It's perfect. They're man. nice. Yeah. Um, so, dude, escape the winter. If it's cold where you are, just leave. Like, so, just leave, dude. Yeah. I mean, if you got 250 bucks a month, just come out here. <laughs> it's, dude, have uh, you ever heard the term snowbirds? No, uh, no. what's that? Snowbirds are, like, mostly retirees, but they use it to describe people who travel from, like, the, the cold states to the warmer states in the winter. So, you know, you got the retirees who go to Florida, Arizona, Texas, California, like, from the Northeast or the, or the Midwest or the Mid-Atlantic when it gets cold. And I like that lifestyle. I yeah. can see that being something I do. Well, I mean, there's a movie called Endless Summer about these surfers yeah. who always wanted summer, always wanted to be able to surf. And they, that's what they did for, like, seven years. They're just like, well, every time it's not surf season, let's just go somewhere that is. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, some people like the cold. I mean, like... Skiers. I'll, you know, I would like to live in, like, Colorado somewhere where I can ski all winter. It's nice out there. Uh, but... I don't want to just be somewhere cold and not be doing any of that. <laughs> you know, more than cold versus hot, sunlight, I think, is yeah. the big thing. And Colorado, it, it gets cold, it gets snow, but it, it's got 350 days of sunlight a year. So you're still going to be happy and having a good time. Yeah, so yeah. I would I would definitely do that. But out here, man, I, I like this lifestyle. I like the people we're hanging out with. I mean, we have the coolest like crew coming out here now. And... For those who are listening, a lot of you guys are actually starting to show up, and I'm getting messages. Uh, I finally made a Facebook page. <laughs> it's uh, I'll, I'll link. To Did you just make it? Yeah, uh, it's Johnny FDK, or I think you could just search for Johnny FD. I'll, I'll show up, um, but that'll be on the show notes as well. Um, hit me up on there and let me know if you're coming out, and I'll tell you where I am. And I'm excited to see all these people who are actually taking action. 
Sure. You know, and it's you know it seems like, dude, this is this, this is a yeah, this really is legit movement, man. It's a movement that you know we were talking about this last night. You and I both came here within the last like week, week and a half. Yeah. And even since we've been here, there have been, I, I think, in the last two weeks, maybe between a dozen to fifteen people that have gotten here in the last like two two weeks. And then if you go like since and we're we're only what six seven weeks into into two thousand fourteen right now. Mm-hmm. If you go back to like January. You think the the number of people that have just arrived in Saigon with, since January, it's it's a serious movement. It's a it's a influx of entrepreneurs. Well, I think one of the big reasons is, you know, word of mouth, right? Yeah. Everyone that's moving here is talking about posting about it. Yeah. And people get excited, but also a lot of people are, are wanting to go to Chiang Mai because they heard good things about it. But it took them so long to get their act together that now it's bur- started burning season and nobody wants to be there What's for. So in Chiang Mai between now, which is like mid February, end of February, and beginning of April, the farmers and burn all their fields. So what that does is really? it, it creates this smoke all over the city that traps the pollution from all the all the cars that, oh. for, for whatever reason, don't have any kind of pollution. Is that, is that why you're here? That's yeah, that's why I'm here. I mean that, and also I wanted to hang out with some of the some entrepreneurs who I knew who are going to be out here. Here we are. Um, so I'm not going to be in Chiang Mai for all of March, and I would I think that's also why so many people are showing up now is because they're leaving Chiang Mai or they were originally going to go to Chiang Mai but they decided to come here. But I also have a feeling that in April after that's all over. Uh, a lot of people are going to go back there. So yeah. I, I think the busiest month is going to be this month. Everyone's going to start showing up. How much does it cost to fly from there to here? Dude, you can get a direct flight from Chiang Mai to Saigon for 100 bucks. <laughs> so cheap. So it is awesome, man. Yeah. Just, like, just bounce back and forth. Actually, uh, Larissa, I finally got to, to talk to my, my girl the other day. Uh, after a few days of just like moving around, trying to check in, trying to you know figure out where I'm living. Mm-hmm. Last time was the first day we actually had time to sit down and Skype probably or... have a Skype and talk. And uh, she was you know like she was like, babe, when are you coming back? <laughs> and Aww. she's really nice. Where she's supportive of this lifestyle where I'm, I'm traveling around, I'm doing business. Um, but she misses you. Yeah. And she wants uh, you to be there. But mainly, actually, I found out with the reason why she was she was like trying to figure out the dates is because she ha- she's a teacher out in uh, in Chiang Mai. She's from South Africa, but she is teaching uh, like. Is she Asian? Uh, no, no, she's a white girl. Okay. Um, I joke around that she's black because she's from <laughs> Africa. <laughs> but she's right. not. Um, but she has a uh, like a hall like a school holiday because she teaches. And she wa- really wants to go down to the islands. She wants to spend, you know, she's never she's never been to Asia before until now, and she's only been in Chiang Mai. So she wants to go to these white sand beach tropical islands. Oh, sure. And she was basically saying, if you're gonna be coming back, you know, in March, whatever, like, you know, uh, I don't even remember her dates, but whatever, whatever the, those dates are, that she's not gonna go to the islands, so she can, you know, so she can see me in Chiang Mai. And, Why don't you go to the islands with her? And that's what I said to her. I was yeah. like. I was like, wait, why, like, you know what, why don't you just book your tickets, tell me where you're going to be, and I'll meet you there. We'll make it a date. And, I, and she was so happy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, thank God for this lifestyle, because, you know, I can do that. Yeah. Like, that, was, that wouldn't be a possibility if I had a normal job and I'd be somewhere, or if I was, you know, uh, had, you know, if I wasn't making enough money where I couldn't afford to, for the extra flight. Now I'm like, okay, it's a hundred bucks to go back to Bangkok or Chiang Mai, mm-hmm. and then maybe another hundred bucks to get down to the islands. It's fine. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not a big deal. I'll make that back in a day. 
Yeah, so. you make a great point. I think after you start digging into this community, you start to value a lot of people like like me. When I was in college, I thought of success in terms of one variable, and that was money. The amount of money that I was making would be would determine if I was successful in my career or not. But once you start to think about that kind of freedom, you start to value two other variables that I now define success by. Along with money, you have time and location freedom. Mm-hmm. So you know it doesn't matter if you're making a hundred k or a quarter of a million or a million dollars a year, if you're working 90 hour weeks and you have to be in your cubicle in New York City or whatever it is, you're actually, I, I, you know, how I see it now, like for my own lifestyle and we all make our own decisions, but now you have the time and location freedom along with the money. And those are two things that- And that makes you a rich man. That makes you, yeah. yeah. It really, man, you know what? Screw your quarter of a million a year working 90 hours a week on Wall Street, stressed out, hating your life, no, yeah. no sun, no exercise, no time for anything except for going out one day a weekend to get smashed. Yeah. Screw that lifestyle. I don't want that. Yeah. You know, that was the hopes and dreams. I loved Wolf on Wall Street. But I don't want to live that life. Of course not. I, I'd rather make $5,000 a month and save half of it to, you know, because I, I just can't even spend that much money. Like, it's hard to spend more than a couple thousand dollars a month living out here. Yeah. Like, yeah. you really have to try. Yeah. Dude, like, I signed up for the most expensive gym membership in Saigon. It's, I think it's more than most people's rent. Like, 100 some odd bucks a month or something? Yeah, it's $25 a day. Yeah. <laughs> and... I, you know what? I signed up because that's why would, yeah that's well, a lot right? yeah because well, well, you, you seem like a kind of I'm a very reasonable a freeway, guy for most things kind of guy right? yeah I think what it was is uh, my buddy Anton <laughs> he he's out here and he was going to that gym and he likes the the sauna the spa the steam room yeah and you're doing it every day though, and he's you better doing, be well, you know what I'm, I'm gonna go right after this man all right there you go yeah <laughs> so you know he he's like he's like yeah I'm a, I'm a member here and I was like you know what I told you eight months ago I said you know what teach me how to do this drop shipping business if i can make if i can make enough money from alex i asked him i was like i was like hey buddy do, do you think i can make two thousand dollars a month from this and he's like yeah and i was like no no seriously like do you think i can make two thousand dollars a month from this he's like dude yeah and i was like i i probably tell you this if i if i the day i start making that i will follow you to the ends of the earth that's like wolf of wall street show me a fifty thousand dollar pay stub and i'll quit my job right now yeah work that me. was me dude. <laughs> that was me and now that i'm making like 5k a month from it I owe that to him. I was like, dude, why the hell am I complaining I'm spending 150 bucks a month on this gym membership? You owe it to him to join the spa club. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know? <laughs> the, ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> so, you know, that's why my, my gym membership is the same amount Price of Price right as you <laughs> Yeah, because you're... Uh, that's, a, that's a good luxury. But uh, here do the massages. I don't know if you've had some of the massages. I'm about to get one today, man. It's like, I, I, like 5 to $10. It includes like... They, they, they cracked my back in ways I didn't know it would crack right after I got off the flight. It was absolutely incredible. One hour, and it was just, you know, like eight bucks, nine bucks, and then you tip an extra three. I'm, it's quite the luxury, but and I'm the sure thing Thailand, is, Thailand, Yeah, Thailand's, Thailand's great right. for that. But the thing is, here's the thing. You, we can get all this in New York, all right? We can get a massage. We can join a sports club that has saunas and, you know, saunas and a steam room and, like, gives you robes and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But... It would cost so freaking much out there. So much money. You know, and I'm not willing to spend 600 bucks a month to be part of a sports club so I can, like, you know, work, you know, from 7 to to 8 and then go there at night just to, like, have a cigar and Mm -hmm. a glass of whiskey while I get a sauna. I'm not, you know, willing to spend $100 an hour on a massage. But if I can have that same lifestyle for a quarter of that cost, Mm -hmm. why not? Yeah. There's also, like, a cultural stress that's in New York. There's a quote from uh, the book Liar's Poker, same guy that wrote Moneyball. 
Uh, Liar's Poker is his memoirs of when he worked at Goldman Sachs. They're Solomon Brothers. Okay. Um, Michael Lewis is his name. And he has this quote about, you know, in, in working in banking in New York City. And, you know, at, with their end of your bonus, they take home a total like two hundred dollars to $300,000 in the year. And he says, like, weirdly enough, people weren't, like, their mentality wasn't they're getting rich. They're reaching new levels of relative poverty, was the quote. New levels of relative <laughs> poverty. Because you're, you're surrounded by a culture of people that are just stressed out and, and grinding. And even though you could live that, you could get the massage, have the sauna lifestyle. Here, it's like you're actually living, you know? And like, none of us are impoverished. We're all, even even though you might be making more money in that, in that Wall Street job, it's the mindset is of new levels of relative poverty whereas here we're just living the dream and having a great time dude I'm happy with my dollar fifty fur alright extra I, extra beef extra veggies yeah <laughs> alright I learned how to say that in Vietnamese but <laughs> but you can tra- google translate yeah there you go buddy alright so this uh, we're gonna turn into a pumpkin like my, my Joe Rogan says my, one of my favorite podcasts out there uh, so let's wrap this up if people wanna get in touch with Alan uh, hit me at uh, on Twitter at at Vantoy or you can uh Find my find my podcast at crewlab.net. Alright guys, uh, check out the blog johnnyfd.com. Uh, like me, but this sounds so weird. <laughs> like Be, basically keep in touch on Facebook. <laughs> uh, and check out the show notes for this. It's travel like a boss podcast.com and it's episode twenty-three. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, man, those five star iTunes reviews are really, really helping out. Spread the word, tell everyone about this podcast and Take those two seconds. I mean, it actually takes two minutes because it's annoying. But you have to go to the iTunes app or like the the software program. Click on store. Look for Travel Like a Boss. Then write a review. I will thank you so much for it. I'll give you guys some shout outs in the future. And uh, peace out. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on Facebook and Twitter and give us a five-star review at the iTunes store. Take care and don't forget to check out travellikeabosspodcast.com.